The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. Another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late, but believe me, tonight we're going to make it worth your while. As opposed to any other night. All right. Right? Every other night. Uh, <laughs> Every other night we just like wing it. Exactly. See what happens. No, thank you guys. Uh, we have a, a very special guest with us, and uh, he's, uh, he's uh, kind, enough, kind enough to uh, call in tonight. Because no. we're going to talk about something that I know you know I'm, I become quite obsessed with in the last yeah. couple of weeks. And, uh, and I'm really excited. So without further ado, let me uh, bring into the conversation uh, Mr. Matt Sullivan from Light in the Attic Records. Matt, are you there? Can you hear me okay? I'm here. I'm here. Thank you so much for being with us. I apologize for the, uh, for the late start here. Um, no problem. But um, like, I was, uh, like I was telling uh, uh, my co-host Jimmy, um, I become really fascinated with this story of uh, Jim Sullivan. And I know that, you know, you're head of this uh, record label uh, based out of Washington that uh, recently uh, re-released this album uh, entitled UFO. And the story behind uh, the album and the man, it, it's really fascinating. So I want to thank you for uh, calling in tonight and, and talking to us about this. And I wanted to ask you, can you take us to the beginning? How did you hear about... Jim Sullivan, his album, and, and his uh, mysterious disappearance. Yeah, a few years back, I was on a, a website called Waxidermy. It's a, a music blog where people, uh, it tends to focus on underground records, a lot of self-released albums, you know, called private press records, you know, meaning artists who, you know, usually paid for a record themselves or, you know, self-released at least, and mm -hmm. years later, a, a a music collector finds it in a you know goodwill somewhere <clears throat> and uploads some audio onto waxidermy and people there's a message board and people chat about the records it's really fascinating and it's it's a great place to discover n n music that's off the radar and that mm -hmm. goes for you know everything from folk to heavy metal to you know every type of music in between a lot a lot of old music we're referring to like a, you know things from you know 60s 70s especially mm -hmm. but really things even before that so i was on there one day just snooping around looking for records and um came across uh, the jim sullivan record enjoyed looked like the like the uh, look of the cover mm -hmm. and uh you know a good album cover goes a long way so i clicked totally i started started listening there was the the records up there's you know kind of uh, mp3s and mm -hmm. and uh you know the guy who found the record had kind of a little you know blog or you know a few paragraphs up and I started listening to it and was immediately just, you know, mesmerized. I, mean, I started Light in the Attic uh, about 12 years ago over a reissue record label primarily. And, um, you know, we're always looking for records that are, you know, off the radar, just, you know, things that we enjoy sometimes, uh, really all types of music. And, mm -hmm. and um, this was kind of, a, you know, kind of a dream thing of, of hearing something like this and enjoying the music. And then from there, um, started kind of, as I'm listening to the album for the first time, scrolling down the page. And by this time, it's probably, oh, 08 or 09 maybe and 
you know, the, the posts have been up in 06. So I'm, I'm reading, you know, 50 posts or something that go over two years. And halfway down the page, you know, people are primarily just saying, the first time you're hearing this, loving it. And halfway down the page, um, Jim Sullivan's family posts. And mm-hmm. they say that uh, this is, you know, they, they, they're the first people who kind of have anything to do with Jim that are posting. And they say how excited they are that, um, you know, he, his music's being heard. And they kind of go into the story I don't know how much you want to, how where you want me to start, but the story of his disappearance. Yeah. Um, so that was where I discovered that. But I mean, just to go back, the record mm-hmm. is really just. I mean, it's such an incredible. I mean, that was my, you know, interest in it was in the music, and I mean, the the story is phenomenal. I mean, really, the music holds up. I mean, you know, it's been since 1969, right. in Los Angeles, and so I mean, we're talking 45 years ago at this, you know, now in 2014, and. <clears throat> Just a phenomenal mix of a folk and country music and psychedelic rock and yeah. you know great playing and and, and songwriting and, and his lyrics and voice. I mean, it really is a, a weird mix of styles as well. I mean, it had Earl Palmer on drums, right. who's, who's who heard on loads of hit songs, and um, it, it had kind of almost like a psychedelic soul vibe to it, mixed with country music, and it was uh, something I hadn't heard or you know heard a lot. And, uh, you know, something I really enjoyed. Now, from what we know uh, about Jim Sullivan, and uh, it's thankfully through, through you taking the time to, to research and investigate about uh, Jim, is that he was a, a quite popular uh, singer out here in Southern California. Uh, he would frequently play at a bar in Malibu, correct? And apparently he, yeah. had, he, he had quite the buzz going at the time. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he had a buzz within within some of the beach communities and some of these these kind of, you know, good little places to play. There's a place called The Raft mm-hmm. out in Malibu, as you mentioned, and there's a place where, like, Lee Marvin and uh, Farrah Fawcett and all these, you know, kind of Hollywood stars would hang out. And, again, this is this is late 60s, early 70s. Right. Um, and other places. But he never really, he was just, you know, he was a struggling artist. He was trying to make it. And he had other things, you know, he had a little bit part in the film Easy Rider. Oh, that's um, right, yes. So he kind of... Yeah, so he had these kind of brushes with fame, um, you know, hung out with Harry Dean Stanton, you know, he had, he had kind of um, these moments, but, uh, you know, and playing at that, you know, the raft was one of his key places. Now, when he, um, when he put out this record, UFO, it wasn't, uh, you know, the success that uh, I guess he expected. This was a, a self-finance effort. I mean, this is like indie before the term indie kind of existed. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, it was it was, yeah. No, go ahead. I was gonna say it was it was financed by uh, two Texas uh, Al Dobbs and a friend of his uh, who came out to pretty much from Texas who came out to uh, L.A. in their words to discover the hippie life, right. find the hippie life, and uh, they ended up going to the raft as you know just fans and and uh, enjoyed Jim's playing, and so they ended up having money and they ended up putting down the money to make the record we ended up finding al and uh, interviewed him a lot about the reissue and you know so they were the, they were the ones that you know really got the ball rolling in terms of a recording um contract or recording you know arrangement and then you know i mean that's really when i was listening to the record and then found out that all these legendary players are on it that's yeah. one thing that really threw me off is how did you know this private press self-released record end up with you know these you know, heavyweight players who were getting paid, you know, good money. So, I mean, Al still had the receipts, and I think they spent 
I think it was about seventeen thousand dollars and sixty nine on the record. Wow. That's a you know considerable amount of money. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was something around there, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a few years, but um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned, they had some legendary players, uh, commonly known as the as the Wrecking Crew, right? And there were Phil Spector's uh, uh, kind of like go-to guys when it came to uh, session musicians. And I must say, Earl Par- Palmer's uh, drums are absolutely amazing on this record. I mean, uh, it's it's it has kind of like Phenomenal. the old school mix where uh, the whole drum kit is pan hard uh, right, I believe, in this recording. Yeah, um, and you can really appreciate the drumming and uh from what i read also you you did this ex- excellent write-up on uh uh for the blog uh, aquarium drunkard uh kind of oh, detailing yeah, this you. story yeah no it's, it's really fascinating um and in it you mentioned that uh the bass player um uh jimmy bond jimmy bond yeah he did yeah. all the orchestration and the arrangements which are i mean from a musician's standpoint you know it wasn't your typical you know folky you know, type of music, uh, he was, you know, they were being really experimental, it sounds like. Yeah, they were. I mean, it was, it was, I think, not at all what Jim had expected. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. used to, you know, interviewing his family a lot and his friends that I think the record kind of went in a completely different direction. Yeah. Um, but I think at the time, I mean, that was kind of, you know, more of the, the time where you'd have a singer songwriter and, you know, you hook up with a really good arranger and, you know, production and a good studio and things kind of went in more of a, you know, tripped out way in a, in a way. But I guess as you were t- kind of mentioned earlier, just the mixing of styles where, you know, you have Earl Palmer, yeah, you know, I mean, David Axrod and all those classic records. And you mentioned the Wrecking Crew. I mean, just, you know, Don Randy was on keyboards, you know, I mean, he's on, you know, I mean, I mean, these guys, I mean, Jimmy Bond, for example, I mean, he's mm-hmm. on everything, I think, from Nina Simone's first recordings of Chet Baker to... Um, I think he's on Beach Boys Pet Sounds, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Um, I mean, these guys are just like, you know, heavyweights. Um, but there, there was something kind of, the, the, it kind of added a lot of like the strings, definitely Jimmy Bond's arrangements, and also the bass players you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, had kind of this eerie quality yeah. to, him, uh, to it, which really, uh, it has kind of a melancholy mm-hmm. vibe over the whole record, and with Jim's lyrics and kind of what he's, talking about yeah. or singing about it, it brings it up to a whole nother level um so you know i think jim was probably hoping just to make a singer songwriter record him and a guitar mm-hmm. you know or him in a three-piece or something but you know i think it I, I think it's it's pretty unique where the songwriting really comes out and the production doesn't kill the songwriting and right sometimes i don't feel like it's an overproduced record at all and i believe uh from what i was reading that there was another um release of this album i believe was it mooney uh mooney yeah, records no, uh, well, the first, with a different the mix first one was on Monty, the first one was on monty records okay. and then this is one thing that really threw me off and we still haven't got a lot of it's been years and still haven't got a lot of explanation of this but that record came out in about august 69 uh-huh. and it was it was catalog 003003 monty records and then it was it was called ufo correct yeah, the artist's name was jim sullivan and then about six months or so later Somewhere in there, we think March 1970 is what I've been told. Um, the record was re-released on a label that was a little bigger, like it was a real record label called Century City. I mean, mm-hmm. it had a few releases, and it was they changed the name. Uh, they called it, it was a self-titled album, and then the track order I believe was altered a little. The cover was was totally different. It was a big kind of close-up of Jim's face, a big gatefold cover. 
Um, and and the more, most importantly is the mix was totally yeah. different. Um, yeah. The Monty mix was, as you mentioned, Earl Palmer's drums, the bass, you know, some of those elements were way up in the mix, almost like a David Axelrod record as mentioned earlier. And then in the Century City record, the mix is, uh, the, the bass and, and, you know, those key players is way down and Jim's vocals are way up and it became more of a, it sounds more like a singer-songwriter record, mm-hmm. um, which was really interesting. And I think, you know, we, we've interviewed the Century City people, and a lot of people, and it's hilarious. The Century City people don't remember the UFO record. Really? And a lot of the UFO people behind <clears throat> the UFO record don't totally remember the other record. I mean, they both just disappeared before they were even, I think, before, yeah, I mean, the UFO album, uh, I don't think it was ever even shrink-wrapped. I think it was used as a demo. I mean, the original oh, wow. cover has a picture of Jim, which is the original cover we went with. Original picture of a small little photo of Jim, kind of like a psychedelic looking thing. Yeah. And then no text, nothing on the cover. The spine had no text. There was nothing on the back. Mm. There was not a copyright logo. There wasn't a year. There wasn't a track list zero. Just, it's just baby blue. <clears throat> just it. And then they pull out the record and the label just had, you know, the songwriting, the song mm. uh, titles and I think Monty. So Century City one was a real, was a real release, but, um, you know, it was, it, it's one thing that really threw us off. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of the many questions we still have about the project. And, we, you know, we spent a lot of time with Chip's family, and they've helped uncover some clues. But, you know, his whole life, at least in that point, had a lot of um, mysterious things happening. Now, when, uh, you know, this record came out, obviously... Um it didn't get the uh, uh, commercial success that I guess Jim and 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 his uh, you know the people in his uh, team was expecting. And a few years right. later, I believe 1975, he uh, decided to head to uh, Nashville, correct, Tennessee? Yeah, correct. He had a he had a, um, some family who was out there being doing session work, and I mm-hmm. think he just felt that he wasn't making it in L.A. and he had a better right. shot of making it in Nashville because he was you know his music was a little more country esque. Yeah, um, it was a little more had, had more of a country vibe, and it was just better. You know, he had a better chance as a what he was doing maybe to probably be a songwriter or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just didn't. It just didn't. Uh, it didn't pan out. Now, um, so I was uh, I was going to ask uh, because this is it was in this trip where things you know uh, took a, a, an unexpected turn uh, from what we know and, and the information that you've gathered. Um, he left on uh, March 4th uh, for Nashville from L.A. Uh, that night, uh, he was uh, pulled over by a, a state trooper, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and yep. apparently he was driving, you know, uh, a little bit, you know, his driving was not, <laughs> he was not driving properly. And uh, the well, he'd, been dri- he'd been driving 15 hours straight. So he was exhausted. Um, he'd been driving straight from L.A. in his little VW bug by himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, was, he was, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. And I was going to say that the state trooper uh, let him go uh, and he checked into a, a, a motel in uh, New Mexico, correct? Yeah, he was in Santa Rosa, which is a little town about two hours um, between Albuquerque and uh, West Texas on the run Route 66, the classic little old timey, you know, highway. Yeah. Um, 2,000 people. <laughs> same population mm-hmm. um, so yeah they actually the police officer thought he was drunk so I took him to the police station for a sobriety test mm. sober 
Um, and then they told him to check into the uh, local motel and get some rest because I think you know he was he's trying to get to Nashville as quick as he could. Sorry, Matt. I think we're having a bit of uh, oh, oh is connection bad. Yeah, the connection. Is that uh, better. Yeah, oh, there we go. Sorry, it's all good. Sorry about that. Um, but he told his family, um, you know, I'll send money if get I'll come back. So you know, I mean, he was just he was just exhaust, exhausted from driving all night. Now uh, we know that he checked in, and uh, the next day uh, it seems like he headed out, right? He to continue his his drive, and that is pretty much the last thing we know of uh, of Jim Sullivan, right? And this is where I said the mystery kind of begins because uh, he left the motel. And uh, a few hours later, his car is found. Uh, and I'm not sure. Maybe you can help me clarify. Was it on the side of the road, or I think I read that he was like in the middle of the road. Uh, his car was found. It was. Can I have a bad connection. Can I call you right back? My phone is cutting out. I can't really hear you right now. Yeah, can no problem. Call I'll call you. I'll call you right back. We're gonna. We'll we'll take a quick music break, and then we'll uh, get you back on the phone. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. No problem. Uh, like I said, uh, this is where, and actually it kind of works out because talk about suspense, right? Yeah. Uh, this is where the mystery kind of begins. You know, he, uh, he leaves the motel, and then the next thing anybody finds is uh, his car abandoned. So that being said, why don't we listen to a track yeah. by Jim Sullivan, you right? Which one is good? Do you have uh, Jerome? Yeah, I do. Jerome is yeah. a great track. Yeah. This was the opening track on the record, UFO. His arrangements, his sense of uh, melody and harmony, it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that uh, you could be a great musician and never be discovered, right? But, that's the sad part. And that is the sad like, part. You don't have to be a musician. And you're, you're like <laughs> you just got to be a good actor. Person. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so don't go away. Wessel Rock is coming right back up. We're going to get Matt on the line. But enjoy some uh, Jim Sullivan. I think you'll dig it. Oh, yeah. Here we go.
sits on top of a hill Or beneath a hole If you're driving slow Maybe you can find your own Maybe you can find your own Looking around and see if you can spot your own West of the Rockies, I'm Frank, joined by Jimmy. We uh, listened to a little Jim Sullivan, and that was actually Jerome, the uh, title, or the opening track, I should say, off of his uh, uh, release, UFO. And we have Matt on the line from Light in the Attic Records, who, uh, who is a uh, founder of this label and re-released this album. And uh, Matt, while we, you know, since we're talking about Jerome, why don't you tell me what, what your thoughts were when you heard that, because that was the first track on the record, and... and um, this is, you, like you said earlier, you didn't know uh, about his story. You just heard the music, and and you 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 know you felt quite uh, attracted to it, as it were. Uh, why don't you tell me what were your thoughts when you first heard Jerome? Yeah, it's just. I mean, first when I when I first heard it, I didn't know what it was really about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I is it about? <laughs> what Honestly, do you do? I, <laughs> I just like the music. It's a good question. <laughs> It's about uh, Jerome, Arizona, the mining town. I think it's up north, kind of the Flagstaff area, I believe, somewhere up there. We we meant to drive through on our way to New Mexico when we were researching about Jim's last known whereabouts, and we did not get there. But Jim had a sister who was born in Jerome. Okay. Um, so I that was you know, what the song was about, and just about oh, you know, wow. a lot of the lyrics on on UFO, the album, or about the desert and disappearing death and quite a few other subjects, but, you know, what really struck me when first hearing the Jerome tune was just, you know, talked about a little earlier, just the, the, the playing, his voice, it's kind mm-hmm. of this melancholy kind of, just a cinematic vibe to the whole record that really starts there and just, it slowly works its way through and it's just one of those kind of things you just, you can't really put your put your finger on or explain right. and so you yeah. just keep listening to it and listening to it and staring at that album cover and wondering, you know, what the hell is going on? What's it about? And now, before we get into, like, the album... I mean, because there's so many aspects to this story. Before we get into, like, the album cover and stuff, uh, we left off on Jim leaving the motel, uh, getting back on the road, and talk about disappearing in the desert, like uh, and, uh, like he sings in, in this track, Jerome. I don't know if this is one of those self-fulfilling prophecies or was it a premonition that he had? I mean, I don't know, but he leaves the motel, you know, a couple of, a few hours later... They find his car, and I and I was asking you because I, I I wasn't quite sure if it was found on the side of the road in the middle of the road, but what we it do know found, is that all his belongings were still in the car. 
Yeah, it was found, um, the car was found 26 miles outside this little teeny town called Santa Rosa. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this is a really tiny town. When we went out there in 2010 um, to get to where his car disappeared, we drove about 20 minutes on a dirt road, mm -hmm. um, probably saw maybe there two houses and saw maybe one car. Um, wow. And I mean, it, it's it's very remote. So when his car was found, it was abandoned. The car was dead. The battery was dead. And it was in the middle of the road. A bunch of locals who were working out, you know, would pass through, pass by that way, doing, you know, work out in the desert yeah. at the time that we interviewed in 2010. They confirmed that. Um, and then also the police reports, um, or at least the missing person reports, talked about, you know, the, the car being dead when it's found. Um, but, yes, yeah, as, as you mentioned, uh, his wallet was in the car, his mm -hmm. keys were in the car, most of his belongings, um, some of his LPs were in the car, some tapes. Um, and then he also, um, guitar was mm -hmm. found. I believe his guitar was either in the car or the hotel room, I can't recall, but he had a couple of things that were in the hotel room as well. The hotel room bed seemed like, according to what everyone said, that it looked like it was never really slept in. Mm -hmm. um, but by the time his car was found, I think it was the next day, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a ways out there. So, I mean, the theory is, is he, you know, checks in the motel, gets to sleep, um, or hangs out there, does whatever, and, and you know, bought a bottle of, of vodka, and then he drove around, and somehow he ended up out there, I think, just probably cruised around. I think, I think realistically, the locals probably gave him a lot of hell for being, you know, looking kind of like a hell's angel in a hippie with long hair and a little <laughs> jacket. Right. Being 1975 like remote New Mexico and you know it's possible that would probably happen today as well but I mean this, you know it's talk about premonition I mean you know he was an easy rider in the film and I mean what that movie I mean a similar right you know long hippies end up in small town America and they get murdered I mean it's just kind of a um, you know I mean it's a different time then uh, yeah. not to say it's perfect for now but um, you know it's I think you know, I, I think that's a possibility, but I don't, maybe we'll wait a second to talk about that. Um, but yeah, when his car was found, uh, you know, it was out there in the middle of nowhere. And, and the strange thing is there was different stories we heard and no one could really clarify them. Uh, his car was found next to this ranch owned by the Genetis, who are mm -hmm. a, a local family who lived out there in San Rosa. And uh, the Genetis, um there's one story that said he walked, Jim walked up to the door of their house. And again, this is in the middle of absolutely nowhere. There probably wasn't a house within, I'm guessing a mile or two of the genetic time, but I could be wrong, but you know, pretty remote knocks on the door and Miss Genetti comes out, only speaks Italian. Jim probably asking for help for as far as my guess, cause it's not working. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that they don't understand each other. And he takes off. Another story said that it was so flat out there, she saw his headlights from a distance and came down with a ranch hand in her car and asked mm -hmm. help. And it kind of says, in a, you know, as a smart ass, like, you know, you know, no, do you need help or something? Mm. And that's kind of the end of it. You know, the Genetis had rumors tied to the, the mob, which no one could really confirm, but like a bunch of locals literally believe that. And we weren't ever interviewed the Genetis. They supposedly moved within like a year or so of you know, mm. Jim's parents. Um, you know, I mean, it's a small town and, you know, rumors happen. Right. Um, we went out there though. And, and I mean, we met a lot of the locals. I and mean, one thing that's really interesting is the local newspaper 
uh, the Guadalupe County Communicator, this great little newspaper, literally has a circulation of 2,000. It's a weekly newspaper, the only newspaper in the area. And uh, it's pretty cool to have a circulation of 2,000 when you, there's 2,700 people that live there. Um, pretty much everybody reads the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Davey Delgado, who was one of literally three employees at the newspaper in 2010, um, wow. he was a kid then, or a teenager, mm-hmm. and, and he remembered, he was probably about 16, 17 at the time in high school, and he remembered everything. He took us all around town, oh, wow. um, introduced a lot of the locals. Um, so he was kind of, he helped out with a lot of our theater. I think we lost you there for a minute. You said uh, he really helped okay. you out with a lot, of, a lot of the research at the time okay. we were doing... Uh, so much stuff we had was just kind of hearsay. Mm-hmm. Um, but Davey took us around to the local newspaper archive, which was great. I think at the time it was the Santa Rosa News, I believe it was called, um, in 1975. And there was just big binders in the back room of this little office um, of all the newspapers from 19, like, 20 or 30 up until time went under. Mm-hmm. So we flipped to March 75, and we start finding a lot of old articles um, about the disappearance. And, you know, the fascinating thing, I, you know, I didn't realize, but it was, you know, two years of search parties. Wow. Um, all across New Mexico, trying to find Jim uh, and his whereabouts. And there were mm-hmm. articles that said, one article in particular I'll never forget, was the first, I think the first article we found, uh, man found in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, and it matched his, uh, you know, height, weight, you know, look. And so people thought maybe it was Jim. And we flip a few more pages, you know, a few more weeks down or a few more days down. And then it says that, you know, the local sheriff, Santa Rosa sheriff, went out to Las Cruces, you know, looked at the body. And it, uh-huh. it, it had similarities, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't Jim. Um, and, I mean, we were flipping through. I remember even getting to 77, and there was a full-on statewide search um, involving all the police mm-hmm. units and all across, you know, the the, the, um, the sheriffs and everything, and state troopers and everything, and still nothing. Um, they didn't find a thing. Now, you know, and like I said, this is um, a, a bit mind-boggling uh, because here we have a, a, a talented musician, you know, down on his luck, leaves, you know, his family behind to go to Nashville, um, disappears. And all we're left is this record that just it, it, it becomes really eerie when you know this information and you listen to a record where he's singing about practically word for word what happened to him. You know, he drives out to the desert uh, and disappears. And it seems to me, you know, I mean, you know, you try to get into his head a little bit and it seems to me like he's somebody that was just looking to looking for something more or something better you know that there was, that there was more to life almost and maybe i'm getting a little too you know earthy crunchy philosophical but you know like you said there's a melancholy in his voice there's a bit of despair and it's it's very you know uh his weather voice just conveys such emotion when he sings you know and i mean you listen to to highways and uh, even UFO, and I think that's where the, uh, the, 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 the speculation comes that, you know, some people believe, and I think a lot of people would want to believe that, you know, as, as uh, fantastic as it sounds, that 
you know, Jim's, you know, uh, dream came true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, no, go right. ahead, go ahead. I mean, Sorry. It's, I was going to say you're totally right. I mean, it's, it sounds crazy, uh, mm-hmm. especially for people who haven't heard the record. Um, but a lot of, a lot of what he's singing about, you know, it is a strange premonition, and and I mean, the record's five, six years before its appearance, so it is a little, a little. And he did, re- you know, he did release other music. Yeah, didn't um, he release one which, under which, the Playboy label? I was reading in your yeah, uh, write up. Yeah, Playboy, you know, magazine had a pretty cool label in the seventies called Playboy, and mm-hmm. um, he had a record on on Playboy. It was self titled. It was about seventy two or so. Um, so still, we're still talking a few years before the, the disappearance, but he was down on his luck. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of possibilities. Right. I mean, he might've been murdered. He, you know, there's the UFO thing. There's, yeah. Uh, could still be alive. I mean, he could have just, you know, he might've on the other hand walked out in the desert and said, you know, I'm not making it. My life, I'm in the pits. My life's not going anywhere. I'm just gonna, you know, walk out in the desert and die. I mean, I, you know, personally, I think sadly, you know, he was probably murdered by, you know, the locals, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably made someone mad there or they didn't like him or didn't like his long hair or something. And, right. And, uh, they exchanged some words and, and that was it. But I, I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, his, his wife, you know, she's wonderful and she, you know, feels that, I mean, she, you know, she obviously likes the idea that, Hopefully UFOs got him. Yeah. It's a happier ending. Right. Than yeah. Being murdered, but um, you know, it's it's a strange, uh, a really strange tale that you know we were. I mean, I, it's funny when I went out there with New Mexico, went out there with two filmmakers, Jennifer Moss and Mel Eslin, and we kind of being naive. Just it's funny thinking about it now, but we we really thought like maybe we'll uncover something out there, <laughs> you know. Uh, or something like that, and and I, I feel like more could be uncovered if if there really was, you know, you have the opportunity to maybe stay in New Mexico for a few months. Right. I think there's a, I think there are some more stones to you know uh, look under. Well, it's uh, funny because we, uh, yeah. sorry, I was just going to say that it's funny because uh, you know reading this, uh, uh, you know, the you wrote this uh, story as I mentioned earlier. You said that. Um, I believe it was his his uh, room. The number was zero 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 three, right? Which was the catalog number for his album, and you felt that well, that was, was kind of uh, like a, a sign of some sort. Yeah, there were a lot of weird signs when we were doing the reissue. The room is actually Jimmy Bond's house in L.A. Uh, hmm. The producer, ranker, bassist, uh, his apartment. He lived in an apartment building, and I went there to try to find him, which took me ages to find this guy mm-hmm. which shouldn't have been but it did and um yeah so his his unit number in his apartment building just his specific unit was zero 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 three and it's just like i don't know one of these just tripped up things of like same catalog number and it you know would have been it was like a four unit apartment building like why are you three zeros and a three and right i'm just like you know dorky record nerd like these things are just like blowing my mind and then also the apartment building itself the, the complex was 370 which was you know the month and year that the century city album came out you know yeah strange coincidence but when you do these kind of projects or anything in life sometimes you you see enough of those things and think shit does that does that mean something right <laughs> no, absolutely something? I, yeah so it's always kind of weird and eerie and there were, there were a lot of those types of things um 
during the project. I mean, just kind of funny that when I started listening to the album, I liked the cover and then clicked and started listening to it and then soon see like, oh, the guy's name's Jim Sullivan. My last name's Sullivan. Right. And like there's no, no relation, right? Obviously. No, no relation. <laughs> okay. Obviously not the most unique uh, name, but, uh, you know, just, just weird things like that. Mm-hmm. that. You know, I don't know what they all mean, but, you know, there's definitely been a, a bunch of strange things, you know, parallels with this, this project that make me think that I'm, I'm drawn to it for some reason. I, I don't know. I mean, for me, you know, we put out maybe 150 records in 12 years and mm-hmm. probably 98% of them are reissues and every one of them I'm a huge fan of and love. But there's something about this album that is just, uh, the music, I mean, just, just really, uh, never leaves me. I mean, it's just such a magical record. And I also want to uh, let people know that, uh, like you mentioned earlier, uh, you uh, went down to New Mexico with uh, filmmaker Jennifer Moss, and you guys made this this short um, documentary, if you will, uh, a, yeah. a little over five minutes long, and you kind of uh, summarized the, uh, the the story of Jim, Jim Sullivan's disappearance in this documentary. It's, it's great. It's, 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 I love the way you guys shot it, and you uh, show um, Jim's wife and his son, and uh, uh, we get to kind of uh, see with our own eyes some of these places and some of the people involved. Um, when you were talking to um, his wife, uh, I don't know if this came up in the conversation, but do, do you know if, uh, what Jim's beliefs were as far as like UFOs and aliens? I know at the time it was the whole hippie movement, you know, LSD, Tim Leary, you know, tune on, you know, uh, what was it? Turn on, turn, turn on, uh, tune in, and drop out. You know, a lot of people were kind of uh, flirting with the idea of you know there being more to life. Um, do you know if uh, if Jim was just one one more hippie in the crowd, if you will? No, I mean I, I I've talked to Barbara Jim's wife about that a lot. Um, you know, I, no, she you know dude, I mean she she really was. She wanted to clarify she wasn't some like crazy alien obsessive person, nor was Jim. But you know, they definitely believe that you know, or were spiritual people, and, and uh-huh. believe that you know, they, they were open to ideas, and uh, you know, they, they had an open mind. Um, you know, they mentioned. I remember her mentioning she was uh, her and Jim would um, sometimes sit on the beach and look up at the stars and wonder, you know, what's out there. Mm. And you know, she talked about sometimes she was. They were into um, the work of Edward Case. Edward is it Casey? Edward, Casey, uh, yeah, Edward Casey. Yeah, one of the first uh, kind of known, um, uh, I guess, psychics of the 20th mm-hmm. century, or one at least that really pushed that uh, those theories. Mm-hmm. And I think he was like died in the 40s, I believe. So, I mean, this was pretty early on. I mean, she mentioned she was, you know, both of them were big into you know his work and writings and um, his philosophies, but. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, she. I mean, the record's called UFO, so obviously yeah. there's, there's a. You know, you can look at it any way you want with with that, but, um, you know, I think that's a fair assumption to to feel that they, you know, they had interest in, in that there were other that there were questions out there. Yeah. Like, you know, not gonna fucking answer. Right, and uh, like I said, if people haven't checked you know, this record out, definitely do. I mean, like you said, from the cover to the music, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, a fascinating uh, work of art, if you ask, uh, you know, if I may say so in my humble opinion. Uh, I love it from beginning to end, and I want to thank you for 
uh, bringing this record to everybody because I feel that otherwise, you know, this record would have gone unnoticed. Thank you. I mean, thanks to the guys also at, you know, Wax and Jeremy for turning us on the record. and Absolutely. Everybody who helped out on the reissue, Andrea Lyle and, and Jim's family, of course. And it's really been like, a, it's been a surreal journey and it's far from over. I mean, we, we just saw Jim's uh, son and his, uh, his son's wife um, last weekend and, you know, uh, you know they've, they've become really close with, with our family and, you know, I really... We want to continue releasing Jim's music and kind of shining a light on his work. And you know, I think he was really on to some great work. And, you know, it would have been interesting to see what he would have done next. But, you know, there is, uh, fortunately, he has music there that, you know, will live on. Yeah. Who knows what happened. And uh, the music always on. Before I let you go, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Light in the Attic Records? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're based in uh, Seattle and Los Angeles. And, um, we've been around for since 2002 and put out records, a lot of reissues, things from Serge Gainsbourg to Betty Davis, Kent Dalton to Chris Christopherson's demos, um, more obscure artists like Jim Sullivan, Donnie and Joe Emerson, um, a lot of soul, soul records to country to psychedelic rock and early hip hop. And for nice. us, it's just, you know, the archival, thank you, the archival process of, of you know records like Jim's that are just you know never really got their due is you know it's really we feel it's important and you know especially when these artists or their families or people that played on them are here to share and and kind of tell these stories while they can be archived and you know some stuff we've done has been a bit more you know like Search Gainsbury or Lee Hazelwood obviously artists that you know did find some success within their financial success within their lifetime mm -hmm. while other artists like Donnie Joe Emerson or, or Jim Sullivan, you know, you know, hadn't, uh, you know, <clears throat> the records came out. So, you know, they're finding a new audience now. And for us, that's just, it's, it's important. So we do, you know, CD and vinyl and, and iTunes on, on uh, our titles and, you know, put a lot of emphasis on liner notes and photos. And like I said, the archival process. And you can find us on just on the web, lightneyattic.net, um, you know, records and Amoeba and all the, key, you know, record stores around the globe and and uh yeah i really appreciate you listening and i should mention the jim sullivan doc if people want to watch it the short it's on youtube you know i think if you search uh jim sullivan's story i yeah. think it comes up yeah we i, I um, believe me i've been posting that video quite a bit because <laughs> i think it's, it's fascinating so trust me and thank before you. you go i mean and and if you will excuse me while i geek out for a minute <laughs> Um, I also found that you guys are the ones that uh, reissued the um, the Rodriguez records, right? From uh, the way I was introduced to Rodriguez yeah. was watching um, uh, Searching for Sugar Man. Another fascinating yeah, story. Another uh, you know unsung musical uh, genius that uh, you know I think flew under everybody's radar. And I saw that you guys were the ones that uh, re-released his records. And honestly. What fascinates me, and, and you know, when we go to break here, uh, I want to play one of uh, Rodriguez's uh, tracks, the one titled Sugar Man, because I think that you get a feel of a completely different aspect of record making, because it seems that the production was part of the art. You know, there's a very interesting musical interlude in uh, Sugar Man, 
where there's this, this crazy panning going on. You know, you have the vocal on one side and the reverb on the other, and it creates this amazing effect. And it's something that I think it's kind of lost a little bit nowadays with, like, you know, everybody's going for, like, a very polished sound, and, you know, you got the loudness wars and all this kind of nonsense. And, and you forget that you can actually make the, the studio, the recording console, an instrument that is as critical as the actual musical instruments themselves. So I want to thank you for, for releasing those yeah. records. I mean, they're, they're fascinating. Uh, I love, uh, oh, I'm falling in love you. with Rodriguez as well. I mean, if anybody thank hasn't no, listened are, to that. That cold, cold fact and coming from reality, those two albums, I mean, there's just, I just, I feel honored to be involved with the records. We, we reissued them in 2008 and then 2009, the second one. And yeah, so we've been involved with his records and the Sugar Man soundtrack. And it, yeah, it's been phenomenal to watch kind of growth and people find those albums. But I mean, Cold Facts definitely, and the Jim Sullivan record, I'd say, are two or three of the records we've ever released that are like, I'll play for someone. It's like, if you don't like this, you're just an asshole. <laughs> right? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I just. Like no, it's like true. Kids who are like 15 to like people who are 75, like everyone can listen to those and be like, God, these are really special records. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, see, I can see things in our catalog that maybe aren't for everybody, mm -hmm. but I mean, there's those things are just such special works of art. It's like, how could you not enjoy those? And it's nothing to do with me. It's like, those are just beautiful works of art that like need to be shared. And so it's nice to see people, you know, latching you know, onto those records and finding them in unique ways and Malik Benjaloo made the search for Sugar Man so I mean God he did such an incredible job and yeah. has really helped you know, you know I mean that film came out a few years after our reissues and he's really helped Rodriguez's music reach even another you know audience out there so I'm happy you dug the film and and been into the music thank you no uh, thank you really I, I, I wanted to tell you here on the air that you know what you're doing is totally amazing. Uh, it, it's one of the best jobs in the world, I must say, being able to uh, discover this music that has been long forgotten and bringing it to people and allowing us to rediscover it and enjoy it and 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 help it live on. I mean, it would be a tragedy if these things were lost to uh, to time. So I want to thank you, yeah. Matt, for what you do and for calling into the show tonight. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for having the support and. Thanks for everyone listening. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Matt. And hopefully we shall talk again soon and uh, keep us posted there on, where is it? Uh, Lightintheattic.net, correct? Yes, of, correct. Yeah, if any upcoming releases, definitely check it out. Any plans real quick to release, or, or, or are you searching for that uh, missing Jim Sullivan recording that was uh, uh, issued on Playboy Records? Uh, we're, yeah, we're working on uh, some, there are, is some things in the works. I can't spill the beans yet, but uh, uh. we'll be more in the near future. So, uh, <laughs> There's there's some some good things down the road. I'll awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. believe me, I will be uh, uh, keeping in touch and, and making sure I, I I stay up to date and all that. And you bet that I will continue to bring updates to the people at home because I I'm pretty sure that we we're gonna have some uh, Jim Sullivan and Rodriguez and really light in the attic records fans uh, after tonight. So thank you so much, Matt. I really really appreciate no it. No problem. Thank you. Have a great night. I really appreciate it as well. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. All right, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks. Matt Sullivan from uh, Light in the Attic Records. Wow. That was a, a really fascinating trip down to some of the, uh, the uh, details of this fascinating story. Jimmy, give me your thoughts before we go to a track. Man, just 
I'm glad that Light in the Attic Records is, exists because I'm the first one applauding them because I hate it when I see all these non quote unquote musicians get their you know fame or what do you want to call it and yet these great artists and they're not just musicians they're they're creative they're genius, artists yeah know? absolutely they're, in the whole definition of the word yeah they 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 deserve it they yeah. deserve everything you know they're the ones thinking things over they're creating <clears> their music instead of someone making it for them and telling them sing this sing yeah it, you know so it's great i mean i think it's awesome i um believe me i become infatuated with uh checking <laughs> light in the attic records and and believe me, uh, Jim Sullivan and Rodriguez are only the beginning for me. I, I, yeah. I plan to check because it's amazing how much music there's out there. And we would have never known. No, absolutely. Never, 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 never. We would never discovered UFO. Honestly, that's like we've talked about it, how you can just put it on at night. And oh, yeah. Just, like, drive. And it's like good driving music. Like no. makes you think, makes your wheels turn. It's just, it's great. Yeah. You know, and, and some of my long trips, you know, I have friends all over, uh, you know, Southern California mainly. And, and, you know, as far as like San Diego and stuff. And, yeah. you know, that's like an hour and a half drive. And yeah. I remember I was coming back. And, you know, once you head out of L.A., you know, the, the geography <laughs> changes. <Just a> bit. <laughs> and so, you know, I was driving back at night and, you know, I had a, I had it, um, I had the CD in my car and I yeah. popped it in and, you know, you just drive and, and, and you listen to the lyrics and the music. And it, it, it really is an experience, you know. Listen to it with headphones on your stereo in your car. Yeah. Uh, you'll hear the, uh, just the, the, the magic that those records have. So yeah. we're going to play, actually, Rodriguez first and then Jim Sullivan. And I love this track by Rodriguez, like I was telling Matt. It's called yeah. Sugar Man. Uh, because you're going to listen to a very, very... I think it's a genius musical interlude. Mm -hmm. uh, some great, uh, you know, this is 1960s, early 70s. Yeah. Recording was kind of like a new art. Multi-track recording, at least, yeah. was a new art. And you could hear how they were just experimenting and pushing this new technology, you know, to, to, to its limits, you know. And yeah. like, I, like I said earlier, I feel that, you know, uh, some people have forgotten that, you know, just because it's a, 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 you know, a recording console or whatever, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't be musical with it. And that's what I like. You hear this recording, you hear the mix, uh, and you hear the production, and it, it's like they were making music with yeah. out of this board. It's almost you know? like everything was working together. Yeah. The, the instrument and the board together. Because, I mean, I, I believe... You can, you can. There's like, you know, if the vibe is right, right, everything's working, everything's clicking. Absolutely. Yeah. And for people that you know are not familiar, definitely, I know it's on Netflix, and and I mean, buy the DVD, whatever you need to do, but watch, um, searching for Sugar Man. Fascinating, fascinating story. Everybody that has watched it agrees. It's it, it's amazing. And uh, and just a just a quick breakdown. It's uh, uh, you know, it's a story of uh, of uh, Sixto Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Uh, who was a, sing uh, a folk singer, um, and his records were never huge in in America. I Some think he was only big in Australia, uh, right? South Africa, South no, Africa. But before he toured in. Oh, he South toured. Yeah, 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 yeah. He then toured. He didn't in. even know he was big in South Africa. Apparently, if you watch the documentary, and I'm, I'll I'll skip all the spoilers, but um, early on they tell you in the documentary that. You know, somebody from America came to South Africa with a copy of this record, mm -hmm. and um, uh, from one copy, it just it exploded. You know, it was interesting. I read an article on Sixto where they said that at one at one point he was 
more famous than Elvis. Than Elvis in South Africa. In South Africa. Yeah. That's just because of, of the political and racial tension in South <laughs> yeah. Africa. His music was taken as, you know, he sang about the working class and, yeah. you know, he was from Detroit uh, and and just, you know, the, the just the blue collar life, yeah, you know, yeah. if you will. Uh, and, and people in South Africa in the middle of all this, you know, tension found this as a voice to you know of, of what they were going through yeah. and like i said it exploded it became you know the voice of a generation it, it's a classic to this day yeah. and the rumors that, that were going around because nobody heard of rodriguez mm -hmm. you know nobody mm -hmm. knew what happened to him and the rumors were going around that he committed suicide on stage that he yeah. set himself on fire on stage mm -hmm. um and and uh he was just chilling in detroit yeah he was and and they were able to track him down found yeah. him in detroit working at a factory and and it's really a story of redemption and success and perseverance if you will he kind of in a way almost gave up on music but it's almost like he got, all the he got dues what he yeah exactly he all everything dues. that 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 should have come to him back then came to him now yeah so it's almost uh, like when i was a social club too right it's like, <laughs> that's uh that's good yeah i forgot about that amazing musicians that yeah like, i mean i love latin music that's, yeah that's my, yeah. my big thing so for me it's like what a shame it would have been if those musicians would have died yeah nobody would have and nobody would have known and, and shortly after <laughs> they died I think uh, Compay Segundo died. died. Yeah, uh, the, uh, a couple of them passed away shortly after the yeah. the documentary, yeah. and uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess you know we're we're really geeking out on music, but we love music, yeah. and and I love it when music crosses into what we talk about on this show, which yeah. is just you know all this you know craziness, yeah. Um, and and yeah, so we'll listen to Sugarman by Rodriguez. Listen to this totally. Amazing, and then we're gonna play another track by Jim Sullivan, uh, just to kind of keep the theme going tonight. Oh yeah. Uh, we're gonna play Highways, which is a uh, uh, one of my personal favorites. I love Highways. The drumming on Highways. Listen to the drumming yeah. while you while we play it, because it's just totally. I'll be air drumming. <laughs> I'll leave the camera on you because I gotta <laughs> run downstairs for a bit. But uh, listen to these tracks. Enjoy. Uh, this is West of the Rockies on independent.fm. I want to thank Matt for calling in. We still got a few more minutes after the music, so don't go away. We're going to be right back. West of the Rockies. Jimmy's here. I'm here. Got some uh, apple juice here. People are calling it a beer that I don't like. Oh, with the lime. Yeah, with the <laughs> lime. I can assure you I don't go that <laughs> Yeah. So this is Rodriguez, Sugar Man. Enjoy. West of the Rockies. We're going to be right back. Silver 
yours a dream of And the highway Sit around you where I am And it's easier to stay here Think I know my way here I'm gonna lay here all right Taking time now City life ain't my cup of Sit around you where I am And it's easier to stay here Think I know my way here I'm gonna lay here Gonna sit here writing a song Every time one comes along I'm alright Gotta be alright now Gotta be alright West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles. Sell the Rockies with Frankie's Deer. I knew that was you. I knew it. You lied to me. You said it wasn't. <laughs> I always, I, I always get very rage against the machine when that comes on because I feel like it's so like buttoned down. Yeah. <laughs> I think deep down I'm just jealous that he sounds so much better than me on the microphone. Right. Yeah, I think that's that really it. Really good. Some insecurity issues going on there with me. I'm pretty oh, sure. We'll, we'll work it out. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can imitate him pretty well, right? Yeah. Sell the Rockies with Frankie the Engineer. Oh, there is there. It's there. It's there. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to do a whole show like that next time. Thank you guys for sitting around. I know it's late. This is West of the Rockies on the Independent FM. Don't forget to follow the Independent FM on Twitter, twitter.com uh, forward slash Indie FM radio. Also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash uh, the Independent FM. I believe. <laughs> I, I say this every week, and every week I say it. I'm not sure if that's correct, but hopefully it is, because yeah. at least nobody has like messaged me to tell me otherwise. Maybe so I think it's good. Website getting a bunch of hits. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Whoa, look at all these hits!" Uh, as always, engineer Frank on Twitter, Jaime Roque on Facebook. I mean, Jaime Roque on Facebook. Wow, yeah, tonight that that's kicking. Oh yeah, <laughs> engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook, Jaime Roque is on Twitter, Genevieve Juwe on Twitter. She'll be back. Uh, next week if all goes well yeah it's creeping up I better party the British are coming the British are coming (laughs) the red coats so I better party this week I better party this week because after that I'm on lockdown we're going hard hard, dude I'm on lockdown after next week every day (laughs) yeah you know about my resolution right I'm gonna try to cut meat out of my diet really Mm -hmm. I didn't know that completely yeah completely for how long 
forever. Oh, what, Frank, wait, hold on. You know, I, we're, we're going to have a talk. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, uh, also, uh, Genevieve was kind enough to set up a Twitter account for the show. Now it's WOTR Radio on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So twitter.com forward slash WOTR Radio. We're, uh, you know, we're trying to get everything ready. We got the website, WOTRradio.com. Um, and so give us a follow um, and all that good stuff. Uh, uh, if you're a fan of the show and enjoy what we're doing, we uh, love to uh, have you on there. Uh, you can email uh, me at frank at WOTR Radio, Jaime at WOTR Radio. And then, of course, Genevieve at WOTR Radio.com. Oh, yes. Just keeping everything uniform here. You, you, we're trying to be professional. We're trying to. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't Not work. succeeding, not succeeding, but we're hey, trying. It's as a thought account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more here because we, we, we still got some time. And, you know, one of the things that I fa- find fascinating about the, the uh, Jim Sullivan stories, obviously, uh, you know, his disappearance. Uh, in the desert, you know, I mean, th- there is something about the desert that is, is. strangely uh, 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 captivating. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it, it reminds me of, um, of uh, uh, another disappearance in the desert, uh, which, uh, you know, if, if anybody has read uh, Carlos Castaneda and, and, you know, I'm a... I'm a I'm a big fan of his books. Uh, not necessarily because I believe that they're all true. I mean, there's there's pretty solid evidence that he plagiarized a lot of the things he talked yeah. about. But hey man, for, who doesn't plagiarize? That's all I'm saying. Right? What is it? Imitation is the best form of flattery. Yeah, there you go. No, there's <laughs> also another one. Uh, I think uh, granted, imitation and plagiarism, right? Like, like you gotta. Maybe I'm going on a limb trying to connect the two. <laughs> I think it's kind of like you gotta. Got to know how to, um, no one's created. <laughs> they just like copy really good or hide something, it really well. Yeah. Something like that. And, um, and yeah, you know, for the people that don't know, just, uh, you know, a quick crash course on Carlos Castaneda. You know, he was, uh, he uh, attended UC, uh, yeah, UCLA anthropology major. And uh, one of the assignments, I guess, the uh, teacher uh, gave was that for their thesis, if they could find a real Native American and write their thesis on it, he would automatically give them an A. Mm-hmm. So Carlos took that to heart and uh, went and found uh, a shaman. And uh, it was through this shaman that he was uh, uh, inducted, if you will, into the world of shamanism. Uh, and he did the peyote ritual. And, you know, in his books, he describes everything from transforming into a crow and flying, you know, uh, all across the desert. You know, the, his story takes place in the desert. Uh, shortly after, you know, he published his, his first book under, and it was actually published by UCLA. You know, he turned in his thesis, and they were like, "Dude, this is great. <laughs> F it. <laughs> let's put it. You know, let's yeah. let's put it to print." And um, and it became known as uh, uh, the teachings of Don Don Juan uh, Yaqui way of knowledge, and that was the uh, name of the tribe that Don Juan belonged to. Mm-hmm. A little controversy in the book whether this Don Juan character actually existed or not. Um, he could have easily made it up. He could have made it up. However, there seems to be some evidence that there was a shaman by that name, uh, even though he claimed to have changed the name so that people wouldn't go out and 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 you know try to disrupt him because one of the things that made his uh, you know his thesis controversial was that you know as a anthropology major he wasn't supposed to uh disrupt 
the 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 way of life of the of his subjects. Mm -hmm. And here we have somebody that actually became, you know, he, 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 he inserted himself into this uh, culture. And it, it kind of reminds me, in the outlaw way, it reminded me of Hunter S. Thompson, right? Uh, because his, his, what was later coined as Gonzo writing was, uh, was defined as, you know, the writer becoming part of the story mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as opposed to just reporting it in a, in a neutral, non-biased kind of way. Yeah. You know, and if you read Hunter S. Thompson, he becomes a character. He becomes your eyes and your ears, your hands and your feet yeah. for what is going on, you know? Mm -hmm. and, this, and, and, you know, Carlos Castaneda broke a similar rule, which was, you know, you don't disrupt who you're writing about, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, he, uh, from what he said in his books, he became a shaman himself, yeah. uh, partook in all these rituals. And then when he came back to Southern California, uh, and, you know, this is when things began to take a, a, a left turn, so to speak, um, it basi he basically became a cult leader. Yeah. Right? He had disciples and stuff like that. He surrounded himself with... Uh, with, uh, uh, with, with, you know, a group of women lived over here in Santa Monica Boulevard, not too far from where we're at, and gave these classes on tensegrity. That's what he called it. Mm -hmm. And basically, like many shamans and people that go through these rituals, they're trying to achieve the, that, that altered state of mind without the aid of, uh, of uh, you know, psychotropic plants and, and things of that nature. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he had very devout followers and um and uh, believe me this is all going to come together here in a minute just giving the background <laughs> <laughs> and uh and he uh you know he carried out these lessons and and he would tell people you know that he was um uh that he had ascended to another level of existence and that yeah. when that he wasn't going to die he was merely going to become energy and permanently ascend to the next to this next level yeah and um, he claims that in one of his visits to this other level, he rescued uh, a young girl that uh, uh, later he dubbed the Blue Scout. Mm -hmm. And he, she became the most important person in his life. Uh, he had what were called the witches, and I think it was like three of them. And basically, these were women that he slept with, yeah. right? And I'm sure it wasn't uh, the bitches. <laughs> <laughs> if you read, if you read, if you read one of the books by a former member, it, it, you would be inclined to say yes. Exactly. So, uh, but again, this young girl by the name of the Blue Scout. It's funny because while he was maintaining sexual relations with this young lady, and I think she was like 18, she was really young. Hey man, she was legal. But no, no. But trip out on this. While he was maintaining a sexual relationship with her, you know, he adopted her. Now that's creepy. So he was basically sleeping with his daughter, daughter. adopted, but his da daughter Still. nonetheless, right? Why do you adopt? Her? Yeah. And the reason why I bring her up is is this. You know, some years later, um, Carlos Castaneda became ill. But he couldn't show it because, you know, here he is, he, he's portraying this image of being this enlightened individual that wouldn't die a natural death like the rest of us and his disciples, for that matter. Yeah. He was trying to show them a way to achieve this next level without basically not dying. You just transcend to the next, to the higher levels, right? 
so uh, two former followers began to kind of stake out his house because they knew that there was something fishy going on. Yeah. And they would literally go through his trash. Like, they would, like, in the middle of the night, go and, like, steal his trash. And, and they found prescriptions for uh, 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 cancer treatment. Yeah. And oh, apparently he had a cancer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was cancer. Don't quote me. Uh, it's been a while since I read the story. Yeah. Uh, and a few months later, his, his nice big house in Santa Monica, it looked empty. Yeah. And, you know, they went back and they kind of peeked through the windows and everybody was gone. The, the phones were disconnected. And the three witches in the last days before their disappearance, you know, after Carlos Castaneda was believed to be dead because they didn't see him anymore. They didn't see him walking around. Uh, it is said that they left in... in and collectively committed suicide, but none of their bodies have been found mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. And this young girl uh, who went by the name of Blue Scout uh, disappeared in the desert. Yeah. And this is where the parallels happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what these former followers of Carlos Castaneda said, uh, he had told her that if, you know, if he ever left to the next dimension or level of existence mm-hmm. uh, he told her to get in, his, in her little car and drive out to the desert as far as she could mm-hmm. and that's where she would find them hmm. so <laughs> she did just that I believe in like 1998 mm-hmm. and was never seen again until you know uh, sometime a, a few years later I think they found her car Obviously, you know, the, the, the elements have taken its toll, but she was nowhere to, to be found. Yeah. And eventually they found bones in the desert. Mm-hmm. But at the time, DNA wasn't, you know, the, the, the exact science that it is today. And, uh, and so they kind of stored him away, you know, yeah. they yeah. filed him away. And then uh, a few years later, they were able to make DNA test and and sure enough this these were the bones of this uh, young girl that went by the name of the Blue Scout mm-hmm. uh, that that is where I see the parallel of uh, 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 with the story of Jim Sullivan because as Matt said you know there there was there is uh, some speculation that he was murdered yeah but if you ask me maybe it's just obviously I would hope nobody met their demise <laughs> in that way. Uh-huh. I would love to think that, yeah, he, you know, the Wait aliens on. just loved his music and they're like, hey, come with us. You know, there's a better place yeah. where we're from. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as Matt mentioned uh, while we were talking to him, a body was found uh, years later out in the desert that kind of fit the description. You know, it had long hair, and, yeah. but they, they couldn't identify him as Matt Sullivan. Yeah. Or Jim Sullivan. Matt, Matt's still with us. Yes, <laughs> Jim Sullivan. And, but I believe that, you know, honestly, when I listen to his music and, and you know, I just try really hard to get, to get inside his, his, his head and his way of thinking. And I think he just, he was just depressed and disillusioned, you know, just pulled over to the side of the road and just started walking into the desert until he succumbed to the elements. Do you think... In a way, you know, how you're saying he's depressed, you know, he, he, I mean, you know, he was a family man. He was trying to make, you know, money for his family. That's how he's going to Nashville. Do you think in some, some way, 
like almost like a self-sacrifice. He was like, you know what? Maybe, <clears throat> maybe if I just die, you know, or you know, take my life away, <clears throat> whatever, disappear, mm-hmm. then I'll take off. My family will be taken care of. You know what I mean? Just you never know. Maybe he tried to go that route, like the art. You know, yeah. Like right now, like the the fame he has now, it's like it's a mystery. What happened to him? Yeah. And that's always gonna be a mystery because nobody's gonna know. I mean, it could be. It, it just it doesn't seem. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying that it doesn't seem like he wasn't trying to be famous. I think, of course, he was. I think he was trying to achieve success, and success can be defined as many things, right? Yeah, monetarily. Yeah, exactly. Know, so, um, but as a family man, mm-hmm. I believe that he wanted some kind of financial security for his family, and yeah. and obviously when his record didn't, you know, uh, achieve that yeah. type of that kind of success, he uh, that's the reason why he headed to Nashville and. I feel in my heart of hearts that it was in, it was on on that trip. Mm-hmm. As uh, he sounds like somebody that was just he 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 was he was one of the many people that find the desert that 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 peaceful eerie place that it is. I mean, anybody that has driven through the desert. Oh yeah. Right, especially at and night. At night when the full moon is hitting. It's, it, like, it's surreal. There is a very surreal, and I think that's part of the reason of, of the mystique of it, you yeah. know, and and that's part of the reason where a lot of uh, why a lot of Native Americans and things like that they have all these rituals where, uh, you know, vision quests or whatever you want to call it. It's like you know, like the peyote ritual, right? Yeah. They gave him peyote and it's like go to the desert for trip out for three four days, come back, tell me what you saw, and you're healed, and <laughs> you know, not so much healed, but they tell them like kind of like what's the their life's path, you know, it's like yeah. Jim Morrison did something similar, right? He, I think he saw himself dying or so. Like he yeah. knew because of this vision that he was gonna die, yeah, yeah. right? So there is something about the desert it, that it, to this day I'm con- constantly fascinated by it. You know what? I liken the desert to the ocean, just mm. for, for myself, because mm-hmm. I mean I live. That is very like, true. I live like a mile away from the beach, which is awesome. And but every time I see it, it's just. It's something, something in me is just like, wow. Yeah. Like, you don't know what's out there. There's a whole nother world out there. Same thing for the desert. Like, it's lonely, but yet, you know, the loneliness yeah. will kill you, you know? Yeah. You go on your own, you know, and you, yeah. die, you know, it's just, it's just something for me that's just, maybe that's where we need to go to find answers. Maybe that's where Jim Solon was going to find answers, you know? Yeah. And he was probably drunk, <laughs> you know. Sounds like, you know, he, he might have had a little bit. Um, but, you know, like I said, it, it, to me, it's fascinating listening to that record. It becomes such a journey. And, you know, given my recent experiences, <laughs> wink, your, wink. Your friend. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I can totally understand that, that, that state of mind a little bit, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it, it, you look at the cover, and it's this very psychedelic cover. It's almost like looking th- through a kaleidoscope. Yeah. And he and and it's not the same picture. Like at first, I thought it was just the same picture, like four or five times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's but what it, I thought. I'm yeah. Look at it right now. But when you look at it closely, it's different pictures of him. But he has this look. He's looking up, and he has this look of awe uh, on his face. And, and, you know, you look at the tracks and, 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 and you hear the lyrics and the name of the album is UFO. And, and he's talking about driving down the highway and, and heading to the desert and d- disappearing, being abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it, it creates this very eerie uh, atmosphere. 
to this album. And, you know, I think that deep down, Jim Sullivan, I, you know, we talk a lot about self-fulfilling prophecies, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I, I believe that there are some people that just know what yep. their destiny is, yeah. you yeah. know, what their fate is. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, a lot of it can be created. You know, you can steer your life in, in, in any particular direction. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, Jim Sullivan was definitely one of them. Uh, and, and what's funny, and this is something we didn't get a, a chance to talk to Matt about, but if you read, um, uh, I'll be sure to post a link to, the, to, to this great write-up he did, and it's quite detailed. Yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, there's a picture on there that, you know, I think his wife had or something, but it was like a promo, promotional picture for, for his record where Jim is... It's walking in the desert. Yeah. Nobody around is just ham in the desert. With I, I don't. It looks like a cape of some sort. It it it, it looks very very uh, uh, eerie and mm -hmm. and and like I said, when you take into consideration what happened to him, mm -hmm. and you look at this photograph, it, it, you can't help but get chills because it's it, it's like he knew. Yeah. Like he knew. Like there is no doubt in my mind. It's almost like that's the way he wanted. To yeah. Go exactly. Out. That's the way he wanted to go yeah, out. There are there are people who have a certain way they want to go out. You know, it's just like I'm not talking about people who kill themselves. You know, but like, yeah. For example, my mom. She's like, oh, I wanna. She doesn't want to live to be like 95, 100. She doesn't. She's all like, what for? She's like, I'm not gonna be of use. You know, it's gonna be yeah. tough. She'd rather go at a certain age and yeah. she'd be happy with that. Maybe Jim Sullivan, same thing. You know what? I'd be happy if, if I can just go out into the desert, pass out, and wake up in the next life. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a definitely a fascinating story, and I hope that, uh, you know, we, we did our part to uh, bring Jim Sullivan's story to the forefront. Uh, you know, I brought it up. His dues. Yeah, I brought it up a couple of weeks ago and, and you know, kind of teased it a little bit because at the time I was working on trying to get Matt. You showed, you showed, uh, you played UFO first, I did. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and great song to start with. It, it was, it was good. great. Yeah, no, I mean, like, the whole, the whole record is it, great. So, uh, again, I want to thank Matt from, uh, Light in the Attic Records. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a great thing what they're doing over there. And like I said, Matt Sullivan and Rodriguez, you can believe I'm listening to 24-7. Uh, uh, it's great Sixto. records. Sixto, Rodriguez. Is it Sixto or Sixto? Sixto, S-I-X-T-O. Sixto. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because, um, you, you know, these are artists that somehow uh, they, I feel like they knew, <laughs> you yeah, know, they yeah. knew that there was more. I'm, I'm on this strip about realities, right? Yeah, but yeah. the lyrics, it seems like they knew that there was more mm -hmm. beyond this this yeah. existence. And it, it, it honestly feels like they were like ahead of their time, Yeah, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm trying to, because one of Sixto, I believe Sixto's, uh, or Rodriguez, as he was, his artistic name was, mm -hmm. uh, had a very interesting title, uh, uh, which I want to see if I can get here. Of a song? No, of uh, coming from reality. That was the second album, coming from reality. Mm. And if you listen to some of the stuff that I've been talking about lately, and some of the experiences I've been sharing lately, coming from reality is a very, very interesting yeah. title. Yeah. Uh, because it's it, like he experienced uh, your friend. <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? That it seems like he's implying that he went somewhere 
else mm -hmm. from this quote-unquote reality. Yeah. How he achieved that, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. You know, maybe one day we can get him on the show and talk yeah. to him about that. Because, uh, uh, you know, his songs, you know, like I said, uh, uh, Sugar Man. And we're actually going to go out with another Rodriguez song, which is it's also fascinating from the uh, the the technical musical lyrical yeah. like every aspect of this song yeah of course it's, it's quite it's fascinating that none of these artists would be you know like so popular now if they weren't first and foremost great singer songwriters yeah and musicians. yeah 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 no i mean believe me i don't it care how old, how old it is or whatever <laughs> like if it's that good I, i'm not gonna sit here and tell people about it right exactly. like yeah. yeah i just wouldn't <laughs> but we're gonna go out with this other track and listen to the name of this track by rodriguez crucify your mind mm. now that, what is crucifixion that is right is sacrifice is yeah. dying i mean if we take it from the from the christian point of view right is yeah. dying to resurrect resurrect yeah. in the new body resurrect in this new existence it, it's almost like you got to get rid of all the materialness to experience yeah. a, or Better a fulfilling self. fulfilling a way to 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 crucify live if you will your crucify your mind that, th those are big words there right crucify just crucify in general is, yeah is, you know like you said it's synonymous with sacrifice yeah so uh we're gonna go out with that song so please please check out uh light in the attic.net for uh, all their great releases you can order from there i'm kind of bummed out you know they had a jim sullivan t-shirt but don't have it anymore no it was like a one-time item and it's you know sold where out you can get it ebay the fashion district in l.a Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you can find it. But uh, I encourage people oh, to definitely uh, grab uh, grab those records or get the MP3s from iTunes or what you know. Or Spotify. Or Spotify. They're Spotify. Oh, they're all on Spotify. Yeah. Great. So people can. can but honestly, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm uh, unfortunately the uh, uh, vinyl of uh, UFO is out. You know, they they're all sold out. But uh, they told me that is going to be back in stock soon. Nice. So, uh, you know, I really want to encourage people, get these albums, come on. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's really great music. I, it's an investment, trust me. Oh, yeah. It really is an investment. And, and support these artists. Uh, you know, I, I don't think any of us were around for, for you know, them <laughs> oh, yeah. at any point. Uh, but if you were, you still want to, yeah, you still want to pick it up. Yeah. And uh, definitely check out uh, Searching for Sugar Man, the documentary. I know it's on Netflix. Yeah, little disclaimer. <clears throat> it's not, it's, you have to have like the advanced plan where you get the CDs or DVDs. Oh, it's not streamable? Yeah, it's not streamable. Oh, they told me it was, was on like, Netflix. I didn't know it was. Oh, I well. looked for it and it's not there. Hey, but you know what? There's other, uh, there's the other avenues. The there's other avenues. We'll just say that. There's other ways to watch it. Wink, wink. Oh, yes. Uh, but, there, I, you know, I encourage people because these are the ones that matter, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, these are the ones you want to throw your support on. And any any artist that you think is worth your money, definitely do it. You know, it, it's a tough time to be an artist. Yeah. As a failed musician myself, I can tell you that uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's tough out hard. there. <laughs> it's tough out there. So you definitely want to help him out. So, yeah, check out uh, Searching for Sugar Man. Uh, check out the uh, these uh, uh, titles by Rodriguez, Cold Fact, and, and Coming from Reality. And the soundtrack to Sugar Man, it's almost like a, a compilation of, of, you know, some of his standout tracks. Obviously, he didn't have any hits, but there were tracks that immediately stand out. And, but I think both records, if you listen to them, uh, the, there, there was no filler in those records. Every, every song was treated like it was going to be the main song. Oh, yeah. And that's something that you don't get too much of nowadays. Mm -hmm. And of course, Jim Sullivan, uh, UFO, 
Uh, apparently, there were two mixes. Um, uh, I think we're all in search of the elusive mix where his vocals and guitar take center stage, and yeah. and the band is is mixed really far in the back. And uh, and of course, there's that other Playboy release. And um, like I said, I'll keep I'll keep in touch with Matt and Light in the Attic. And if they release anything, as he teased that there's some interesting mm-hmm. stuff coming, you bet that we're gonna we're gonna put it uh, out there for people oh, yes. to to to. Uh, to get with that, to get on board with that. So I want to thank Matt mm-hmm. and everybody at Light in the Attic Records for what they do. I want to thank you, Jimmy. Always a pleasure. I want to thank Genevieve because she's been hustling a lot behind the scenes. I know a lot of people haven't seen it, but you know she's doing a lot of great work. And oh, yes. and uh, and I can tell you that the, that we also got some interesting stuff that we're not at the liberty <laughs> to discuss. Oh, yes. Not yet. Not yet. The but time will come. yeah. But like I said, we got that website. We're working on the website wotrradio.com. Uh, we have a, a a show Twitter if if you want to support us uh, in that way. Wotr Radio, I believe, is on Twitter. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Engineer Frank on Twitter, Jaime Roque on Twitter, Genevieve Duway on Twitter. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, a lot of cool stuff down the road. Oh, yeah. So I want to thank everybody that uh, stayed up and, and watched the show. I know Tattoo Jenna and Tattoo Guy are somewhere in New Mexico, not too far really? from Santa Rosa. Yeah, really close. I think 30 minutes away. New Mexico, it. some crazy stuff going out there. Yeah. That's Roswell. That's, uh, you know, a lot of UFO sightings. Have you New Mexico? No, never had the pleasure. It's kind of eerie. I believe it. It's kind of eerie. And you know what's interesting is that you know, we there's a you know it seems like there's a lot of alien abductions, or the you know there were more so before than what you hear about today. Yeah. Um, but something that I hadn't thought about was that we only hear about the ones that come back. Mm, that's a good one. We never hear about the ones that are never returned. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Jim Sullivan, if you're out there, thank you, sir, for your music. Yes. <laughs> you know, and he's listening right now. And 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 uh, we really appreciate it, and and I'm glad we got to discover it. So, uh, without further ado, let's go out with uh, Rodriguez, and then uh, what do you say we play another Jim Sullivan track? I say that's a good idea. So, thank you guys for watching. Take care, be safe, God bless. Don't do any, don't do anything too crazy. Enjoy your Cinco de Mayo. Uh, you know, don't drink and drive, please. We want to see you back next weekend. It's not Mexican Independence Day. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it from uh, True Mexican. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. This is uh, Rodriguez. Crucify your mind. Enjoy. Bye-bye. The huntsman or a player that made you pay the cost that now assumes relaxed positions and prostitutes your loss. Were you tortured by your own thirst in those pleasures that you seek that made you Tom the curious that makes you James the weak? And you claim you got something going Something you call unique But I've seen yourself pretty showing 
as the tears roll down your cheeks. Soon you know I'll leave you and I'll never look behind Cause I was born for the purpose that crucifies your mind So can't convince your mirror as you've always done before Giving substance to shadows, giving substance evermore And you assume you got something to offer Secret shiny in you But how much of you is repetition That you didn't whisper to him too
Transmitting to the world from Swinghouse Studios in Hollywood. This is Independent FM.